0: This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo. Today, we will be continuing a sermon in the Heavenly Authority series, focusing on the Apostle Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians, Chapter 14, concerning prophecies and tongues in the church assembly. When we left off, Pastor Greg had explained how limits and boundaries for that assembly, rather than stifling God's power, actually are signs of God's design and creativity. He referenced the limits God places in creation from the subatomic all the way to the cosmic, from the complexities inside the cell to our precisely formed bodies, which become an illustration for the body of Christ.
1: Boundaries and limits are not bad words. They're signs of God's creative design. When you do a drawing, you take a pen, and you have a boundary to what you draw. And so we're not talking about being confined talk about being what we should be fully being the formed body because you can take the analogy and put it into the body of christ being what we should be the body of christ being the the instrument the organism it should be rightly limited by the spirit of god and that's what paul's doing here amen to have the full creative power of the holy spirit let's get back to the study because that was a long um aside We discussed last time, we explored the Lord's confusion of man's language at Babel. And then we saw Babel reversed, right, at Pentecost. The conditional will of God, the heart's desire of God, the communication, a supernatural sign which allowed all of the dispersion of Jerusalem at Pentecost to understand the praises given of the wonderful works of God in their own language. We read uh, in Isaiah chapter twenty eight. Let me reread it. Uh, the origin of Paul's quote in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse twenty-one. Isaiah twenty eight eleven, for with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. The gospel. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. They would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. And we talked about... In Isaiah, then, he goes on in Isaiah chapter 28 to speak about the cornerstone, the tried stone, the precious stone that he's laying in Zion, speaking about Jesus Christ. So we have here the public sign to the unbelieving nation of tongues being given at Pentecost in fulfillment of Isaiah 28. Uh, from stammering lips to another tongue, he will speak to his people. Babel's being reversed. Grace is being given. Refreshing for the weary. Everyone can now come in, and they're so caught up with their line upon line, their line upon line, the Pharisees, the scribes, that they miss it. They miss the gospel. They miss the cornerstone laid in Zion. They miss, the Sanhedrin misses this event in Jerusalem, where these unlearned Galileans are each speaking in the language of those hearing it, and it's a sign. It's a sign to the unbeliever. And there's an element of judgment for those who will not receive. And that sign, along with the rushing wind, gets the attention of the multitude, right? The sign to the unbeliever. But salvation, we said we ended last time, comes when there's a clear Holy Spirit anointed, because that's part of the work of the Holy Spirit also. The full work of God, anointed sermon by Peter, when he speaks clear, understandable words they all understand, and they're brought to a knowledge, many, not all, some mock, some say they're drunk, they have new wine, but many are brought to the knowledge of salvation. What must we do to be saved? So when Paul says here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22, therefore tongues are for a sign, but not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, right? It's for the unbeliever as in a public sense. It's not an individual speaking, it's a public speaking. It's a sign for the unbeliever, and simply a sign. But for the believer, it's not as a sign, Rather, we've read early, we studied earlier, what? It's for our personal communication with God. It's for power in our walk in the Holy Spirit. It's for setting things aright in the heavenly realms. There's power to the individual gift of tongues, and that's why Paul says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. As he's writing this letter, he might to himself be praying in tongues, but he's writing in their language that they might understand it. Individually, it's a communication with God. It's powerful. But in a public sense, it's as a sign. And it's interesting, he says, not for believers, that given that, that it's not a sign for the believer, how much in some churches tongues have become a sign for the believer. And you wonder here in this church, Not that they were not speaking in legitimate tongues. Not that they weren't feeling the power of the Holy Spirit, and they started to go into their prayer language. But you wonder when they came together in the assembly, if they all wanted to make that prayer language come out without direction of the Holy Spirit saying, now you have this gift to speak in tongues and then interpret it, or I will have someone else interpret it. But they just all freely as the language was in them, and we'll discuss that next time, it's a gift from the Spirit. If they're all praying it out loud, to show the guy or the woman next to them, see, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit too. That would make it then a sign for believers. But in the sense of a sign, it's a sign really for unbelievers the way it happened at Pentecost. We shouldn't need to show each other that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we should let the Spirit work through us, and it'll be obvious. If someone lays hands on someone and they're healed, it's obvious. If a prophecy is spoken and it comes to pass, it's obvious. There doesn't need to be a competition. You notice in the Church of Corinth, from early on in the study, there's a competition going on, right? I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. And that competition might have trans itself, translated itself into their anointing in the Spirit, being out of control in order to impress each other. Now when it comes as a sign, the tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, right? We read in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 12, yet they would not hear. Paul quotes it up above, right? And yet for all that in verse 21, they will not hear me. It speaks of judgment. The miracle has happened that they can't explain away. God was there. And if you continue with that logic, remember we spoke about the division of the nations, right, and the reason for it at Babel, and then Israel called out by herself, but then Israel going astray and now being reversed, everyone being able to come back under the heart's desire of God. The conversion of all these foreigners, remember he said last time the Goyim, the nations, the Goyim? The conversion of all these foreigners, all the different tongues, all the different tribes, going away from their heathenism and now praising the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here you had dispersed Jews hearing it in languages they had because of dispersion. But then Israel would also hear Gentiles Of other lips, other tongues, speaking the praises of God, speaking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, leaving behind the Roman gods, the Greek gods, the Northern African gods, all the different imaginations that were around in the pagan world at that time, and praising the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, knowing the Old Testament, knowing the covenant, knowing the Decalogue, knowing the Pentateuch, because of a Jew named Jesus. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, Israel, this is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. It should have been a sign to all of Israel, but the leadership would not hear it. And as a result, they should rejoice when they heard the Gentiles began saved. Rather, when Paul gets up before them, and he's speaking to them before his arrest, they're listening to him until he gets to the point about the Gentiles getting saved, and then they want to kill him. Don't talk about those Gentiles being saved. And the end result, 70 A.D., right, they fell backward, they were snared, they were caught, they were broken, right, and Jerusalem falls. We should pray today that Israel's leaders would see the Great sign and it's starting to happen, they know it. They know the greatest friend that they have, Israel knows the greatest friend they have throughout this world is the evangelical, Bible-believing Christian, who believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through Jesus Christ, the Jew. That it would wake them up that they would see that throughout the world there are children of Abraham made because of Messiah. And that now, in these last days, they would hear. That should be our prayer. He goes on, the second part of verse 22. He says, But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. What is he talking about here? Tongues as for a sign are for the unbeliever. And It speaks of judgment. Right? Not for believers. But prophesying is is not for unbelievers but for those who believe look with me in luke chapter 8 and verse 4 and when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city he spoke by parable a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, ears to hear, let him here, then his disciples asked him, and if you look in, you don't have to look at it now, but Mark chapter four, verse 10 says, when he was alone, those around with the 12 asked him, he's alone with them, he's away from the multitude. Then his disciples asked him saying, what does this parable mean? And he said to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, It is given in parables that, seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand.
0: Our Sunday message is live-streamed on the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle YouTube channel at 10.30 a.m. Pastor Greg is currently teaching on Last Day Events, And you will find a link to the channel on our website at www.shierjashub.org.